Welcome back to the channel today, everyone. I am Sarah Higdon, and this is Transform to Freedom. It's been a couple weeks. Um, I got to tell you, last week was pretty fun. So I was in Memphis. Um, I left on Tuesday, so we didn't have the show on Monday night because I left for Memphis on Tuesday. Freedom Fest, you can go and you can see all the all the pictures and everything like that. Um, I'm the worst actually at taking pictures um, at these things because I meet so many people. Um, and I love, I love when people come up and take pictures with me, um, but I don't have any of the pictures on my phone. So if you took a picture with me at Freedom Fest, post them and tag me in them. Um, because yeah, I don't, I don't really, I like, even when I meet, you know, more famous people, I'm like, I just want to have a conversation, not really, you know, bug them with pictures. But then I also realize I like when people ask me to take a picture with them. So I don't know. Um, but that was that was fun. Um, if you haven't seen some of the stuff, go check it out. Um, Freedom Fest is, is a good time. Got to meet some great people. Went to a VIP event on, um, yeah, my days are all mixed up. It was maybe Thursday, maybe even Friday. I think it was Friday with RFK. That was interesting. Um, it was at Graceland at the Motor Museum there. That was pretty, it was interesting. That's that's all I'm going to really say about that. Um, but yeah, um, really, really great time. Got to see some of my, my, my good friends and I, the way I explain Freedom Fest for anybody, um, for a lot of people in my field and what we do, like, especially in the Liberty movement in general, Freedom Fest is kind of a, I, I was calling it a family reunion because this is, you know, the one time a year that we all do kind of get together and um you can actually go and already buy your tickets for next year's event which is going to be in vegas again so it's gonna be great um memphis was uh Mem memphis was interesting good food i had some great conversations with some of the locals good food um beale street was was um i call it i i was kind of calling it a dive bar version of broadway in nashville i think that's the best way to uh best way to describe it but um and then just a little bit more too i don't know if you saw my post today so i my back is actually killing me right now um so if you see me wincing a little bit today if i move around my back is killing me i I was at the gym doing my my thing. And if you don't know and you don't go follow me, I'm looking at putting some stuff behind a paywall, possibly on my Substack, Or I'm waiting for Elon to just give you my Twitter subscriptions and we'll put everything there. Um, but track the progress because I am going out and I am going to I'm attempting to break the female squat record, the raw female squat record. And in my age and weight category, and so I have to, it's the record I think is set at 285. And the reason I'm doing this is to, yeah, I can't, I can't go without this. Cause I actually had, uh, <laughs> I, it, it's really great when people know your stances on things and they're like, wait, I thought you were against, 
you know, males competing in female sports. I'm like, well, I am. And then they asked me about this. And I said, well, I posted on Instagram and I forgot that I'd never explained it on Instagram that I'm doing this specifically to show that males, no matter how long after you've transitioned, um, don't belong in female sports. And so I'm doing it to make a point. Um, but yeah, so today I actually lifted two nine. So the record is 285. I, I lifted 295 off the rack just to see how it feels. And yeah, it was, it was heavy. <laughs> it's heavy, but um, I can feel myself getting stronger every single day. And it's good because I mean, I was, I did what I do. I was actually doing, um, I was squatting two. 225 today was it 245 so or, so actually 45 times five yeah 225 and i was doing i did that a few times and it was it was really good um i was actually able to go down a little bit further get three reps out of it but it was only maybe still like maybe a foot squat but still that's that's just my progress has been has been great so far and that's what we're going to continue to move on i'm giving myself a full year to do it um <laughs> yeah it's called trolling i and i am i am definitely trolling the left i'm going to own the libs on this one um but yeah so but i'm also realizing and i realized this in memphis too like i'm not in my 20s anymore so when you're not in your 20s my body is 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 gonna take some time to healing also i have a bad back I was in the 82nd Airborne Division, so I jumped out of airplanes a little bit. And that chute is heavy enough to compress your back, um, the harness and everything. And I also was in the 101st Airborne Division, so I was so used to road marching with with weight on my back. And so my knees, my back, um, I have a pull, I pulled my hamstring before, and so like everything like that all starts to add up when you're doing you know taking on a new challenge like this. And so. Um, I'm taking it slower than I probably could because I would push myself almost every day to where I could barely walk, but, um, I don't want to do that. I don't want to risk injury in a lot of this. And so, um, yeah, I'm closer to 40 than I am to 30. So yeah, <laughs> I know. And that's why I'm doing it now. But it, actually the thing is, is once you hit 40, uh, the, the record drops, I believe. So yeah, but, um, the record's 285 and I'm quite a ways off, but I'm giving myself a year to do it. So it's going to be fun. Also got a couple stories that I just want to, um, run down. Not going to be not actually, I don't even think yeah, this first one's not actually on the docket for today, but I did want to highlight this because this happened last week and some of these, some of these happened last week. So this one is, um, so representative. So this is a state representative in Georgia, Misha Maynard. And actually she, so she left the Democrat party last week on July 11th. Um, she represents a, a a blue district in the city of Atlanta. Um, so this was not a political decision. So she she was the only Democrat that voted against school choice, right? So she got a lot of heat from Democrats for voting uh, or voting for school choice. So she was she's in favor of school choice um, with the Republicans, and so she got a lot of heat for this. 
um, here in my home state of Georgia, not far from me, because she's actually um, she represents the Buck or the uh, the Midtown area of Atlanta, which Midtown is pretty steadily blue. It, I mean, Midtown is home of what we call the Gaberhood. It's um, it's it's a very I always call Atlanta a very libertarian city for these reasons, but. Um, yeah, it, it was really interesting. I'm, and she's been taking a lot of heat for it. So I, I think anytime we see people leaving, you know, breaking away from, you know, either one, I mean, when they break away and they move to the right on issues and they see the hate that, you know, everybody that leaves the cult, cult gets, we need to support them. Um, just like I did back a few months ago when we had one Democrat vote to ban, um, you know, gender affirming care, cross sex hormones and surgery for minors um, in Texas. We have one Democrat vote for that. And I think anytime that, you know, somebody does that, we need to show them grace because they're opening their eyes. It's and, and we're seeing this happen a lot. We saw it again. We talked about it two weeks ago with Anna Kasparian. Um, and we're seeing it more and more with people when they actually see what's going on, they're opening up their eyes and they're, and they're moving forward. So I look forward and I actually said this in a post, I look forward to possibly getting with um, representative Maynard and seeing what we can do to move stuff forward here. Maybe she becomes more of a liberty libertarian minded person. Uh, we'll see. Um, but she's not voting with uh, you know, in lockstep with the Democrats anymore. And that's good. And we'll see what happens in her next term if she if she if she's able to hold that a position, you know, in Midtown. So that'll that'll be good. But actually, so let's just keep. Um, I'm gonna keep seeing if this will actually come up. Um, so I was going to let everybody know to go see Sound of Freedom if you haven't seen it. Um, because it's, I went and saw it last Sunday, maybe, and it was just crushing it. And there, and there's a reason. There is definitely a reason um, for that. Why it's been doing it? Because, it, I mean, I cried at the end of it because it was so powerful it made me feel like i'm not doing enough uh being out here doing stuff so i would say everybody needs to go watch it and there's i mean i i think there's a lot of reasons why they don't why they why they're against it um i don't necessarily know if it's because of the um Yeah, yeah, you cried through most of it. I, I mean, it was, it was a, gr it was a very good story. It was a very well done story. Um, I, in reality, I don't know. Um, I think that some of it has to do with Angel Studios and how it was funded, and like, look. I get actually why Disney would not release this movie and it has everything to do with Disney's brand is for is mostly for children. It's not because I, I don't not going to go down that conspiratorial route to say that everything was because Disney, you know, and 
you know, their agenda or anything like that. I, I think it it makes it starts to make sense as to why Disney would not want to, you know, promote this movie or push this movie or even release this movie. And that's why they end up selling the rights to Angel Studio. But it it is really um it's it's a great film. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Um, I mean, it was projected to earn over 40 million in its opening week. And this movie only cost, you know, 13, I think it was 13 million to actually make. Um, and then there was the cost, it cost five million for, they they raised five million dollars for advertising and um And and they usually say I think what it costs to make it usually costs between two point three and two point five million to um or it's like two point five percent or times to actually um to actually um uh that's how much it costs to act for the the actual film to even break even. Yeah. So Courtney, I see you said, um, why would they have bought the rights in the first place? Yeah. So it was originally supposed to be released by 20th century Fox and then Disney bought 20th century Fox. And that's, um, the whole, the whole thing there. Right. So that's why, but now what I want to do, let's show this. All right. We'll move on. <laughs> Go see Sound of Freedom. It, it was a great movie. I loved it. Um, and I just hope that they don't kick me off for, for sharing that again. So um, I'm going to share my screen again. All right, here we go. All right. Donald Trump explains why how he's going to end the war, the Ukraine war in 24 hours um, in an interview with, um, it was actually with Fox business this weekend. Um, now, if you saw this, look, look, Trump's been saying he could end this war in 24 hours since, you know, February. And um, this was the first time he actually explained how he would do that. Now, will it work? I don't know, but it, you know, I, this is something I give Trump a lot of credit for because he actually wants to end this engagement. He literally said before on the CNN interview, he wants to stop people. From, he wants people to stop dying. Um, it's pretty, you know, it's a pretty moral cause. And I think, um, you know, Ukraine, whether you're for one side or the other or no side, I mean, I'm on the, I'm at the point with any foreign conflict where I, I don't think the U S should be involved in any of these conflicts, but this makes a lot of sense. What he says as well as how he would handle this. And it's really interesting. And when you look at the way that people have been presenting this, right? So Trump supporters are saying, um, you know, some people are saying Trump said he would. Uh, I'll, I'll play the clip and then I'll react to it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what people are saying. You said you could end the war in Ukraine in 24 hours. Yes, I How did. would you do that? Uh, I know Zelensky very well. 
I felt he was very honorable because when they asked him about the perfect phone call that I made, he said it was indeed perfect. He said it was, he didn't even know what they were talking about. He could have grandstanded, oh, I felt threatened. Well, that's not going to be enough for Putin to stop bombing No, Ukraine. no, 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 I'm not saying that. I, what I'm saying is that I know Zelensky very well and I know Putin very well, even better. And I had a good relationship, very good with both of them. I would tell Zelensky, no more, you got to make a deal. I would tell Putin, if you don't make a deal, we're going to give them a lot. We're going to give them more than they ever got if we have to. I will have the deal done in one day. One day. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to go on to national radio to be like, this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to tell one side this and one side that. And when you look at, depending on what, you know, who you're voting for and everything like that, some people are saying, you know, some people are using it to say Trump called Zelensky very honorable. And I'm trying to use that as a, uh, <laughs> as a, as a, you know, something. Yeah. So you're right. Magnificent devil. He says he's very honorable because he said, <laughs> he said my perfect phone call was a perfect phone call. Yeah. So if you don't know what he's talking about there. So Trump, um, I mean, it was kind of funny, right? Um, because Trump was impeached i believe right he was impeached for threatening zelensky with you know not that he wouldn't said he wouldn't provide military aid to ukraine unless they um investigated the hunter biden burisma scandal and that was seen as going after you know political opponents and all this stuff but He's saying he didn't threaten him, and he's saying Zelensky said the same thing. So that's what he's he's referring to there now. But if you are, you know, some people are saying, you know, if you're a, if you're an anti-war person, there's some people that are, or you're a DeSantis person, or you're, you know, so, you know, you're trying to harm Trump's campaign. Um, I've seen people being like, he said Zelensky's a, um. He's an honorable man. And then he also said that he would, you know, give Ukraine all the weapons, right? Which he did. But he also said that if Ukraine, so if Zelensky does not come to the negotiating table, then he would stop funding Ukraine. So he's literally saying, okay, Zelensky, if you don't come to the table the negotiating table, then I'm gonna, yeah. If you don't come to the negotiating table, if you're not willing to negotiate, you know, U.S. funds dry up. You don't get any more support. Now, Putin, if you don't come to the table, we will support them 100%. So basically, it's like, whichever side doesn't come to the table, we're, we're gonna just, you know, we're gonna pull our, our support from that side. So it, it it makes I mean it, it makes a lot of sense to be like, hey, if you don't if you're not willing to negotiate, you know, and if you don't come to a deal, then we're gonna be against you. And when we're against you fully, not whatever this, you know, funding of a proxy war is, then you're not gonna like it. It's kind of a a fire and fury strategy. Um you know, I'm I'm an anti-war. I, I'm very much anti-war. I'm an anti-war veteran, and so 
I think any time that you can get to diplomacy, but right now our funding of Ukraine is actually it's stifling debate. You know, last week the Biden administration decided that they were going to send cluster munitions. There are a lot of countries around the world in NATO. I think it was a hundred and some hundred countries that are part of this pact to not ever use cluster munitions again not even possess them and yet we are going to give them to ukraine because um and we're not part of that pact but cluster munitions they have a high dud rate so when they hit the ground they ended up harming civilians for years and years to come and so this humanitarian crisis that comes with using cluster munitions is about to take place because they won't come to the negotiating table it's horrible um so you say um i worry about putin calling his bluff can you imagine how horrible that would be you know it would be bad yes um i it would be world war three at the same time one uh I don't think he would. I I, th I think that um, I don't think it's a bluff either. So <laughs> I think he would actually do that. But um, it's an interesting strategy. I think that um, we would. Yeah, I would tell Putin if you don't make a deal, you do worry about nuclear conflict. But, I mean, I don't think that this would have even happened had Trump been in charge. I think that's what a lot of people feel. But, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have an AK-47, but I can see why you would. Now, actually, it's probably a lot cheaper, right? So, yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, but, okay. So we're kind of moving through things here. That was the, the next thing. What was next on my, see, this is what I don't like. Oh, don't drink the drinking water. Don't drink the water. Okay. Um, the, the title of the, of the stream this week is don't drink the water because let's see. the um what's the organization it's not the fda it's the uh the u.s Geo geological survey found that over 45 percent of drinking water has um what are called pfas they're a harmful substance that is in a lot of different substances or a lot of different um surfaces mostly like anti-stick stuff because, um, and so they have a lot, they're very harmful substances. So they're made into a ton of different products, right? So the nonstick pans, that's what they use are these PFAS and then um, the fire extinguisher foam, any packaging product. So you go to like, go to McDonald's and I don't know if McDonald's, for example, but that's not a good example. 
go to a fast food chain and they use the nonstick like grease, like the the stuff that like catches the grease and doesn't absorb the grease and it's like nonstick and um that's what the stuff is. So like a pizza shop that their pizza sits on this like um a piece of paper. Well, that's like what this stuff's made of. And they're called forever chemicals because they take a very, 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 very long time to break down. Um, they get into the water system. They get into your, your bloodstream and they can cause loads of issues. So they studied 716, 716 different locations across the country and found that about 75% of tap water in urban areas and 25% in rural areas had PFAS. Now, that's not even like that's not even the overall number. That's a that's a low number because there are over 12,000 types of PFAS chemicals and only 32 of them can be tested. Um so there is a lot of these chemicals out there. Now, what you said, get out of the cities, but I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Uh, filter your water. Now, you know, I've been on, been on Tim cast a couple of times and he hammers on this stuff, right? So he talks about the plastics all the time and that's what this is. So this is, um, this is kind of validating what he's talking about with the plastics. So when you talk about like, the increased rates of gender dysphoria. Yes, I think there's a social contagion aspect to this, but also the increased number of plastics and number of chemicals that are in our drinking waters and stuff like that are changing the, the our body chemicals over the last you know dec couple decades as these have become more prevalent. And like I said, the the so the the EPA um, say most people in the United States have been exposed to PFAS, which leads to a variety of health complications. These health complications include a decrease in fertility, developmental effects in children. Remember what we talk about with, when it comes to like rapid onset gender dysphoria and the social contagion aspect, there's a high propensity for the person to be autistic. And so this could be I'm, I'm speculating, okay, this is not me saying that's exactly what this is, but I'm saying that there is a high propensity of children on the autism spectrum to fall into a category to where they end up transitioning, um, and then there is a high... And, many of them end up detrain like there's a high correlation between transitioners and d uh that have autism and and those with autism so again that makes sense if 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 we're talking about like a chemical that's in somebody's bloodstream and it's being passed onto their child um that could be cause for concern of developmental effects in children and that could be one of the leading reasons as to why we see so many people trend you know um leading down a path this path but we also know that you know there could be some of these effects that actually cause gender dysphoria in people as well and this is over the course of decades these this is not something that's new like this study took place let me see this study took place this is not like a new um, a study that took like 
a year to do. Like they did this study years ago and I can't remember what it was. Um, but it was over the course of quite a few years. Um, but yeah, so developmental effects in children. It's a huge issue. Like that's why, um, water like glass water bottles and filtering your water is important um using um you know again um apparently even like aluminum cans like this for water apparently they also are lined with plastic and so it's 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 amazing and even i don't know you have to check even with the with the brittos to see but um yeah patty p you're absolutely correct it is outrageous how much we are poisoned like everything is poisoning us um i mean because then there's an increased risk of cancer an increased risk in cholesterol levels um, and possible issues with body's natural hormones Think about everything that I just said. <laughs> if hormones, if a if a hormone level is what has been kind of determined to um, cause issues in utero that have led to, you know, somebody having gender dysphoria as a young child, or you know, being homosexual as a young, you know, being being homosexual and and you're born that way that hormone could be introduced in utero. But even still, we see hormones are a, a huge deal when it comes to, you know, everything that happens um, when it comes to all sorts of things. It's the same reason why we talk about like birth control and stuff like that, for example, because it's increasing hormones. And guess what? They know that birth control um, can also cause suicidality in young females. And so when you look at like messing with hormones is not really a good idea. And, and, I, and I get the irony of me saying this as a trans person who has completely altered my hormone levels. Um, it, it just doesn't seem... I mean, you don't want it if you don't need it, right? So for I was able to make a conscious choice as to the hormones and changing my hormone levels. That's not the case when you're just getting, you know, your your hormones are artificially changed because of, you know, chemicals that are in your drinking water. It's 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 not okay. And then we talk about like look at cholesterol levels. Well, I wonder really though with cholesterol levels cuz like I said, Maybe you're exposed to PFAS because, well, you're eating too much fast food. I don't know. But um, you think about this and it's like if you have higher cholesterol levels or you have some of these increased risk, if you have increased differences in hormone levels, like is this why they are now pushing like the body positivity movement that we're seeing? That doesn't – maybe – you know, <laughs> like, is it harder for people to maintain a natural, healthy weight? I don't get it. Um, so, yeah, do not do not drink the water because the the water is, um, you know, we, we should have clean drinking water. And actually. Um, in the bipartisan infrastructure law that was passed back in February, they 
included $2 billion to help fight and promote access to clean drinking water. So there's stuff that they're not even really telling us out there, right? So this is something that should have been front page news. Um, I didn't see this really being talked about anywhere, you know, like were we at the post millennial, the only ones covering this? I don't know. Like it, it's interesting, but, um, yeah, it should be, it should be something that everybody should, should go look into and, and, and see, um, what's actually going on there. But yeah, we need to start looking at alternatives to these quote unquote forever chemicals that are seeping into our drinking water. And, and it's not even just, and it's like, when I talk about like nonstick pans, they say like as a non nonstick pan gets dirty or it gets, um, old and it scrapes like that chemical comes off and it scrapes and then it goes into you know the landfill and then the landfill seeps into the drinking water and then the drinking water seeps into your tap water you or the water system and then into the tap water and causes a lot of issues and yeah so it's even if you're in not in a city um, and you're in rural areas, it could, it could lead to stuff. So we were all worried about Flint and, you know, I grew up in Flint. Uh, I grew up with well water outside of Flint, but, um, this seems like it should be just as big of a scandal as, you know, the lead in Flint water, but why is it not? Uh, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, 12,000 types of PFAS and only 32 of them can be actually checked. So when you hear somebody like Alex Jones say, you know, the chemicals that turn the frogs gay, you know, he he's, I don't know. Please don't demonetize me, YouTube. I understand that Alex Jones may have been right, but I don't mean it. <laughs> um. So, yeah, that's why I said do not drink the drinking water. Now, let's see what we got. Okay, here we go. Now, I just have to say thank you again for bearing with me because I had all my tabs open like I do every week, and obviously they all got shut down. So, moving on to, let me see. Um, yeah, let's talk about Kamala Harris for a second, right? Um, speaking of population control, see what I did there? So maybe that's why we shouldn't drink the water is because, um, well, let me just play this clip for you. When we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population, more of our children can breathe clean air and drink clean water. Was it a Freudian slip? I don't know why she would want to reduce the population, but this has kind of been something that we've been called conspiracy theorists about for a little while. 
um, as to why we would be sterilizing children, why we would be, you know, why they would be pushing for abortion, why they would be pushing for all these other things. Apparently she meant pollution. She wants to reduce pollution. But population size. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I it, it seems like it was just a Freudian slip. And um, <laughs> Thomas Massey said, are you the population she wants to reduce? And that's true. Like, what is the population that she wants to reduce? Um, and again, push this and co-op this with the PFAS story that we just talked about. And you start to see like, well, what is that? I mean, how are they wanting to reduce the population? Or the pollution? Are we going to reduce the pollution of the PFAS in the drinking water? Because they don't talk about that, and it's not really a national news story. So I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, um, <laughs> you know, I just want to say. Let me see. Um, <laughs> so here are some. Here's another clip from the good old vice president from July 12th. I mean, she, she had a great week. If you watch Kamala Harris last week, she had a great week. And I think the first part of this issue that should be articulated is AI is kind of a fancy thing. It's first of all, it's two letters. It means <laughs> artificial intelligence, but ultimately what it is, is it's about machine learning. And so the machine is taught. And part of the issue here is what information is going into the machine that will then determine, and, and we can predict then if we think about what machine, what information is going in, what then will be produced in terms of decisions and opinions um, that may be made through that process. Yeah, so they want to put you in the machine, right? So no, um, yeah, actually, wait, wrong one. Um, yes. They are talking a lot about um, climate change when they're when they're talking about this stuff because yeah the population is is dealing with climate change but I don't take anybody who worries that much about climate change too seriously until they start talking about nuclear energy and they start talking about um, replacing plastic again we're talking about plastics regular oil based plastic with hemp plastic because hemp plastic deep. Uh, is much is actually stronger than oil-based plastic yet it's better for the environment and get this because it's made from hemp the amount of oxygen caused by the the uh the hemp um the plants to, that it costs to make it it's actually carbon neutral so yeah hemp plastics are carbon neutral to make imagine that and they don't talk about hemp plastic because the byproduct is marijuana is cannabis um and so they don't you can't do that right so yeah the the machine is learning um the machine is learning yeah i'm i'm with you too i won't really take them too seriously until they stop buying beach beachfront property and courtney thank you so much for the super sticker i really appreciate that as well i and I love the work that you're doing. So um, working with, with Shannon Bray in North Carolina, I'll give the shout out for you there as well. So thank you. 
Um, but yeah, so that's what I mean is it's, yeah, they remove CO2. So they, they take the CO2 and convert it into oxygen. So basically that's why it's carbon neutral because it ends up the amount of um, like pollution that goes into the air from them making the plastic through like, you know, machinery and all that stuff. It's all offset by the plants taking the oxygen or taking the CO2 and turning it into oxygen. It's all offset. And so if you really are worried, and I'm, I mean, I'm not a environmental activist, but I do worry. I, I, I do try to be as clean as possible because it's more beneficial. As we said, again, with the PFAS in the last story, we need to, you know, be better about this stuff. And yeah, Chelsea, you are absolutely right. Hemp slash cannabis plants are seriously amazing things. Um, they they make not only do they make plastic and clothes, and they also make medicine. So I'm all for them being, you know, they should be everywhere, <laughs> you know. And that's why they're working. Like even here in Georgia, they're working to figure out how to do like hemp uh, farming and stuff like that because it will. It's a major industry, but right now everything's running on oil. Um, Let me see. So, but like I said, that was not the only slip up that um, <laughs> Vice President Vice President Harris had this week. Um, so, let me see. Um, what I will say, let's see. Here we go. Um, now, I can't actually. Let's see, share this. All right. One more. One more. From our well, I think place. culture is, it is a reflection of our moment and our time, right? And, and, and present culture is the way we express how we're feeling about the moment. And, and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is a reflection of joy because... Every, it, you know, it comes in the morning. <laughs> what does that mean? We have to find ways to also express the way we feel about the moment in terms of just having language and, and, and a connection to how people are experiencing life. And I think about it in that way, too. Well, I think... What does she mean that it comes... Uh, comes in the morning i mean this is typical kamala harris stuff though too i actually don't think i can play it um because i made this little reel on my phone um and if you realize it's 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 streaming on the right hand side it's the uh here i'll just it's the uh here i'll just i we'll see if i get if i get copyrighted for this we'll see express how we're feeling about the moment and and we should always find times to express how we feel about the moment. That is a reflection of joy. All right. That's all I'm going to play. Now it's the, uh, the veep soundtrack because it is, I mean, she is when, when art imitates reality, the TV show veep was just a little bit ahead of its time, you know, because, um, Oh my gosh. I just saw it. That's good. I just saw this. I too liked to <laughs> 
<laughs> Friends on Twitter, I'm telling you. <laughs> but let me tell you, folks, I think um, I think, you know, we know whose cocaine it was. So this actually brings me to my next story. Um, apparently, um, the Secret Service actually knows who brought cocaine into the White House, despite their uh, their claims to the contrary. Now, they dispute this, so I'm not going to say this is a fact. They do actually dispute this. Um, but Soldier of Fortune magazine reported that a source told them, told it, that the Secret Service must have known who handled the bag since last or they have known who who handled the bag since last week um but the publication are withholding the name until they can get an actual confirmation for it which you know when breitbart went to um them they said the fbi the fbi is the one who handled this case they said they had you know, independent from the Secret Service, tested the packaging for cocaine. There, there were no discernible fingerprints or DNA found on the bag. You know, I don't know how. Actually, do I have this clip? I do. So this is Tim uh, Timbershat. He's a. Uh, I don't want to get his title wrong, um, but he. He left a meeting where they said, uh, talked about this too. So I'll play this real quick. Hey, everybody. Tim Burchett just left the most ridiculous meeting of all time with the Secret Service over the cocaine that was found in the, uh, in the White House. So it turns out they don't know who did it. The investigation's going to be over at the end of the week, and they're not going to find out who, who did it. And that's basically it. Another cover-up. You know, it's the most secure building in the entire world. You can't go in there. They have facial identification. They have, you got to give your social security number. Nobody, even the press, nobody goes in there without them knowing. This is a bad look on the Secret Service and a horrible look on this White House. So, What if it wasn't cocaine? Like, think about this. What if it wasn't cocaine and that powdery substance was actually anthrax you know um would they be so nonchalant about telling us who brought it into the white house no they would know exactly who did it they would know they would be able to tell us exactly who it was tomorrow so i mean um he's at he, tim is tim's absolutely right like it's the most secure building in the world i've been in the white house um but way back in like it's 2010. Um, yeah, you have to get prior clearance before you can do anything. And I had a security clearance with the with the army at the time, so it was a little bit easier to get me to get us uh, access. Um, but just to do the tour of the White House, you know, they know exactly who's coming in there, and it's there's cameras everywhere, so they know what it was. Um, though, I mean, like somebody like. And, and the White House has been trying to play a little bit of a blame game, right? So they found it just after the president, the first lady, Hunter Biden, um, all went to Martha's Vineyard for the vacation. Um, there's been videos circulating with Hunter Biden that we're not, we're not, um, 
We're not very, very good. Um, don't know what's actually going on there, but Jill looks pissed. Um, and, and so there's there's that type of, you know, there's a lot of speculation. But, I mean, Ted Cruz actually said he didn't think it was Hunter Biden. But there was one point where they were like, it was actually found over in this area of the West Wing near this entrance where only, you know, the vice president parks. And so they were kind of like pushing it off on possibly <laughs> Kamala Harris, which um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. With our last clip, it's kind of funny and it might make a little bit of sense. You know, I, I don't know who else it would be. I Like I said, it, honestly, I'm not going to even say that on YouTube. I can't say that on YouTube. I would probably get banned for YouTube from youtube but i mean honestly it, it could be what they keep what they use to keep somebody else awake and they just don't want people to know um because it was found not on their person just saying <laughs> you think you think she's on downers i don't know i don't know i i i, I mean i think obviously i think you know, Hunter Biden was literally just there and it would make most sense that it's his, but um, there was also another report where they were like trying to pass it along to like one of Kamala Harris's family members who has a cocaine addiction or something like that. It's like, wait a second. So you have the vice president who has a family member who has a cocaine addiction. Then you have the president who ha whose son has is is at the white house all the time with a you know a crack addiction and it's like who are who? these are the people that should be leading our country right because they can't even lead you know raise their raise their you know their family <laughs> i don't know it, it doesn't make sense right but it is what it is where was the i had one more story um Oh my gosh. I actually I want to play this for you real quick because this this person is actually is right and this is hilarious. I don't know if I can play this whole thing. Actually, I will. I don't care. If you guys don't mind, we're going to go over tonight because of the uh the technical difficulties that we had. But if you have not seen this Babylon B skit, it's hilarious. I I I just I got to play it. I saw it. Hi. I'm Oliver Bartholomew. And I'm 16 and a half years old, and I'm the speechwriter for Kamala Harris. My mommy and daddy say, if you find a job you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Morning, Frank. Yeah, hey. Hey, Oliver. And my parents were right. Ever since I was little, I liked words. Writing words is fun. So I made writing words my job. Every politics person has a writer, like me, to make good words for them to say. Space is exciting. Space, it affects us all. And it connects us all. I got that idea when I was thinking about space and how big it is. Man, it's big. It's not all fun, though. Sometimes I have to write about bad stuff, like work. Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists 
next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. It's cool to see the words I type good actually get get set on TV. It's fun. I like it. Once I thought it would be neat if Kamala wore a blue suit and told people she was wearing it because I like blue. I'm a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. It's cool because the suit's blue and it's the color of the sky. Where are you, my idiots? I'm all over. One time I was on the school bus and I thought it would be neat. If Kamala talked about the school bus, and who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Who doesn't love a yellow school bus, right? Can you raise your hand if you love a yellow school bus, right? I can't take all the credit, though. Me and Mr. Kamala are team. You know, like relay racing? You know, you race and someone passes the baton and then, right? But she kind of is crazy or something. And she kind of scares me. <laughs> and you can't fake that kind of performance. Remember Venn diagrams, those three circles? Right. And then let's just see where they overlap. You I didn't. I did didn't have. Did <laughs> what else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. You're either born with it or you're either not. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. It's quitting time. I need to get home in time for good. See you, Marfag. See you later, Oliver. That time is every day. Phil Noof here. I'm a famous. Oh, yes. I, I'm glad y'all like that because, I mean, where would we be without the Babylon Bee? I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, I actually do have a story, though. Last one. And we're going to talk. So there is a surgeon who in a podcast last year um, actually works for, um, what is that, OHSU, which is the Oregon Health and Science University. They are using robotics to create, um, do genital surgeries for trans people. And I've heard about this a long time ago too, because I, I know uh, robotics is kind of um, taking off in all surgeries, right? But th this doctor, actually, this this now this video is now deleted because um, Doctor Blair Peters, who was actually you know brought in by Nike during it came be, became more popular because they were brought in by Nike during their um, their um, like their woke pride campaign to talk about like these types of things. But in this video, he actually talks kind of about like he he literally says. We are still learning and figuring out what works. And this was when talking about children. This was talking about 
children and then like some of the genital surgeries and and talking about like puberty blockers and figuring out what actually works to satisfy that somebody please tell me how this is not an experiment i've, I've literally had doctors tell me that i was being doctors in the legislature i will say republican doctors literally tell me that i was being too harsh for calling this to for saying that we are experimenting on children in these regards and they said i think you're being a little bit harsh for that right i'm like well what do you call it we don't have the data the wpath guidance says we don't actually know you know puberty blockers be prescribed off label and so instead of waiting until we actually do the test to see if they are viable we are just doing a mass experiment on all the kids so that they think that puberty blockers and and all that so they don't actually really know and this is this was a uh, a pretty big admission from this doctor as well we're just trying to figure it out saying it's still an experiment um so actually ashley sinclair who actually <laughs> works for the babylon Bee, um and is um i met ashley when i was up on timcast last time um as well great person lover to death so um from the time i met her but um so she she put this up there talking about this too and this was kind of a good clip of what this uh i mean it's an hour-long podcast but this was a good clip of what was said during it so 80 percent or so of my practice is gender affirming surgery um so i do facial chest surgery and genital surgery um but the majority of my practice and sort of where my passion lies is really genital surgery cases so i do a lot of vaginoplasty and a lot of phalloplasty i would just say they're expanding in either direction <laughs> um so yeah a lot of adolescents um presenting for surgical intervention but also a lot of people that are like in their 70s sometimes coming in for general surgery and then everything in between um but the the adolescents for sure present some unique challenges um obviously there's great evidence supporting pubertal suppression for a whole variety of benefits um, but the one thing that is very new is genital surgery in someone that has underwent pubertal suppression. Um, not so much an issue in um, someone with assigned female at birth anatomy that undergoes a phalloplasty because we're creating something with a you know, free tissue transfer or a flap anyway. But a much bigger issue for an individual that's undergoing a penile inversion vaginoplasty um because we use all of that tissue to basically create the vulva as well as line the internal vaginal canal and as a specialty um those of us that do a fairly high volume of genital gender affirming surgery you know we've maybe done a couple a handful of pubertally suppressed adolescents as a field and no one's published on it yet um ohsu is we're just putting our first series together as we're kind of learning and figuring out what works um but it's really changing things um, because you don't have enough tissue to line the vaginal canal. So you either have to take a skin graft or take skin from elsewhere or use some artificial product. Um, the way that we're dealing with it is by using a robot and we're basically performing intra-abdominal um, components of the surgery. So 
we're using peritoneum, which is the inner lining of the abdomen to line most of the vaginal canal. And by doing that, that allows us to use all of the remaining tissue externally to create a vulva um, and try to make also an aesthetic result. So that's, first off, he says a lot of adolescents presenting for, um, for these types of surgeries. That's, that's kind of an admission right there as well. Thought this wasn't happening. We've talked about this a little bit on this channel though, too, with, um, you know, Marcy Bowers, it kind of said, this is kind of the same thing as Marcy Bowers said, there's not enough tissue. Um, and we also know they actually went on in this to also talk about sexual satisfaction and, and everything there. There was a video I had done off, not one of these live streams, but it was one of the other special videos that I did. It was talking about the person who died after surgery because the, um, from the flesh-eating bacteria because they grafted skin from elsewhere. And anytime you graft skin from anywhere else, um, it's going to cause issues. I think there's, I think that there's something really odd with him saying that his practice lies in, you know, genital or his passion lies in genital surgeries. Um, but all of that was basically like, yeah, we're still trying to figure out like literally OHSU is just now writing up the first like, documents of this because nobody's ever really documented this type of stuff and how it actually works out so again i, I take you back to the, the when i started this this you know um this portion how is this not an experiment i i i, I don't get it and um let me see where who said that So Magnificent Devil said this earlier, and I, I, I want to talk about this for a second. Doctors tend to be arrogant and are extremely reluctant to ever criticize another doctor. Yeah, you're right. Actually, in my Freedom Fest uh, panel or uh, discussion with, with Brett Palumbo, somebody kind of asked this question about doctors, and I made a very similar assertion. Because I don't want to castigate all doctors... But there is something narcissistic about our medical field to where if you even question them, you know, Fauci is the science. Um, if you even dare to question them, um, they, they, they don't take it very well. Like they don't take that very well. So, but they are, they're experimenting on the entire population, you know, um, I saw the same thing and Ashley St. Clair is actually a perfect is a person that um, who kind of raised this issue a few weeks ago. Actually, again, the night after I was on Tim Cash, she was on there talking about birth control and birth control is a major issue that, um, as I said earlier in this episode, they basically have found that, you know, with birth control, um, they can, it can cause suicidality in the young female and then they just throw an SSRI at it. That's what they're doing with gender affirming care. They don't know. They're just, you know, if, if this causes this, they'll just throw another drug at it. They want to make money. Um, and I, I think that there's a little bit of, 
I guess that arrogance, narcissism, um, elitism um, happening in a lot of our medical industry right now. Um, we've seen it. And, and I think COVID, one of the things that COVID did was kind of expose that, expose how, you know, they don't actually want you to have, we don't have informed consent. And that's what I said um, to Ashley's tweet on, on birth control is we don't actually have informed consent in this country. I think I froze again, but um, no. So we don't actually have informed consent in this country. We have a system where they will do what they want. Um, they And if you question them, they won't tell you all the harmful benefits of stuff. They will simply tell you what they think you want to know or, you know, some of the stuff that they want you to know, but they won't, you know, tell you everything else. When I transition, I transition on a informed consent model. Um, but I did the most digging you could ever do. I mean, I it, it took me about four years to determine that I was ready, that this is what was I was going to do and I was actually going to transition. So I knew about everything that you could know about transition. But the average health decision that people go through, that's not what's going on. And so every young female is being told has been told for years that they should be put on birth control for a number of issues, whether it's, um, you know, cycle issues with their cycle or issues here and there. And I don't even pretend to know a lot about that because obviously I've never had to go through that because I'm a male and never had to go through birth control stuff, but there's issues. And even when a doctor says, you know, admits the study, and knows the study, but doesn't, but ha also admits that they don't think the, think the study is relevant because they think that the birth control will do you better. And if it, if it causes issues, then like I said, they'll just throw you on an SSRI. That's what she basically said. And so I think a lot of people are starting to wake up to this fact, not just in the gender world, but across the board, when it comes to the medical industry, you have to do your own research. And again, that's the one thing that COVID kind of taught us to do is our own research and expose, you know, the narcissism, the elitism that happens within the medical field. But, you know, I think you have to go find good doctors. I think that's why um, the free market is 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 wonderful, and we need to push that out there. And I do want to um, actually, yeah, I'll let you guys know. So I was honored um, at Freedom Fest. It's kind of crazy. Um, tell this story too. me and Olivia Rondeau had gotten off of our bus and we were walking back to the hotel and I met Dr. Robert Malone in the hallway and I thanked him for um, speaking out against um, speaking out as he did during COVID. Um, and so that was actually one of the biggest honors that I had during Freedom Fest, because when you have somebody like a good doctor, like Dr. Robert Malone speaking truth about what's actually going on, then I think you know, that's hope um, for the country. And so I'm grateful that I had that opportunity. And it, it just happened by chance. Like I said, it was really, really awesome. Um, just to be I just I just said, like I said, I don't take pictures of people because I think that they're amazing. And I also feel like, you know, I, I want to be like their peer. So I, I didn't but he I, I just said, I shook his hand and said, I just want to say thank you um for speaking out the way you did and taking those risks um 
if you and if same same with um Winston Marshall, my new friend Winston Marshall from formerly from the Mumford and Sons. If you saw my um uh, actually on the Post Millennials Twitter page, you see the interview I did with him right after he gave his speech. You know, we don't have enough people speaking out in different areas, and he lost his um. I mean, he's no longer part of the Mumford and Sons, which is a great band because of this. And um, again, just really thankful I was able to meet him and meet so many other people there. Um, but yeah, so I probably had more that I could we could talk about this story as well. But it is. Um, Yeah, I feel really awkward doing that, so I don't feel... It, as Courtney says, it feels almost like worship, and that's not how I feel about anyone. No, you're right, and that's kind of like... Like I said, I like when people come and ask me to take pictures. It feels good when people ask me to take pictures and stuff like that. Um, it means my message is getting across. But at the same time, it's like when I see somebody... I, they're just normal. You know, everybody... They're just normal people, and I don't want to come across as overbearing. Um I want to respect their space and privacy, but I'll, and it's usually when I meet somebody, it's just a quick introduction of who I am. And um, if we end up having a longer conversation, it's great. Um, with Winston, it was different because I was actually covering the event for the post-millennial and um, his whole speech was about how he got canceled for saying, for um, telling people to go read Andy Noe's book. And if you know, Andy is our senior editor at the post millennial. And so he was very good friends with most of the people in our organization and knew who we were. And so that's the main reason why I was like, Hey, do you want to do a quick interview? And he did. And it was great. Um, and I'm grateful for him. I talked to him later on and um, just really amazing people out in the, in, in the industry. So yeah, I rock. Robbie says I do it for the, the memories. So here's the thing is I am actually one of these people who I don't even like to take video or take my phone out in a lot of instances. I go to a concert and I enjoy the concert. Like I see people watching the concert through their phones and stuff like that. And if you're one of these people, I'm not, I'm not here to shame you, but um, I'm just kind of like, I, I'm just here for the memories to actually watch instead of like looking through my phone. Now I'll take selfies with my friends and stuff real quick, but not like the people that you know what really grinds my gears <laughs> is when people videotape um like concerts and stuff like that it's like why aren't you just like living for the moment and i think part of it is that people want to take video and um people want to take video and they want to you know post these things because they want to post it on social media they want to get the social media clout and really i just want to get the memories and maybe it's because I have I, I have a very good um, – it's not quite a photographic memory, but I, I remember stories. I can remember details of stories very well. And But I don't know the last time that I actually took a picture or, took a, or I took a video of something and I went down and actually went and watched the video ever again of, like, the concert. I watch – you know, I, I don't watch – if I go to a concert, I just want to enjoy the concert. Um, so Chelsea says, I attend a lot of music festivals and across a four-day fest, probably take one to three pictures. Yeah, I mean, take pictures with friends, take pictures with people. 
um, but not the event. And I actually have a meme. It's not maybe it's not really a meme, but it shows it. It's like a parade, and everybody in this crowd all have their phones out and they're filming and taking pictures of what's going on. And there's this little old lady standing on the railing, just watching And the caption to the meme is this woman came from a time um, before social media where they actually knew how to enjoy an event and they weren't just doing stuff for social media clout. And I thought that was a really, it's actually a really powerful meme or really powerful picture because it's true. Like I would rather just have the memories here and not, you know, videotape it for everything else. The only other time that you would videotape stuff like that is when it's your kids, I guess, you know, like you, you want the memories with your kids, but not for like a concert or experience that really doesn't matter or anything like that. Yeah. Like a group shot, shot of me, like there, there's like different stuff. I, 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 like I said, I am bad because I didn't take a lot of pictures, but I took a lot of pictures with friends this week. Um, and so, like, if you saw Christina Buttons just posted some pictures of us, which love getting together with them and love having, you know, love seeing the pictures and stuff like that again. And and so there's a different. It's a difference when you're taking a picture of yourself with people or if you're just taking a picture again, just to take pictures with somebody that you don't. I mean, I. I I also, like I said, I tend to not take a lot of pictures when it comes to, I guess, celebrities and stuff like that. So I don't know how I got off on this tangent, but I did. So, um, yeah, Christina, Christina had a lot of great pictures from the event. Um, there's a lot of great people at the event. Um, and so, yeah, I'm definitely, um, Freedom Fest is great. It's kind of like our, our, our Liberty family reunion it was good um but yeah so i again i just want to thank you all for joining um us this evening joining me this evening oh actually yeah go and read this article because there's a lot of good stuff in here i wrote it this weekend it talks about like the sub niches of training the complications talking about rectal injury and urinary incompetence and sexual satisfaction and lower well if you if you have a vaginoplasty you're not gonna be able to have kids but um they, he also talks about how you know, a lot of issues come up even 20 years out when people stop like dilating and doing all that stuff and in that. So go read the story. If you don't, I mean, go and subscribe to the Post Millennial. You can get these issues, you can get these stories um, without the ads, which is always great. Or go subscribe to the Post Millennial on, um, on Twitter. Oh, yeah, actually. Christina gave me the button. Christina Buttons gave me a button, um, the D-Trans Awareness button, which I still have. I've been kind of holding on to this, this whole show. Um, but we're doing, there's more stuff behind um, the subscriptions on Twitter. So if you go on to the Post Millennials Twitter page, I'm waiting for Elon. And so if you guys are on Twitter, go spam. And actually this is being shown on Twitter. Go spam Elon to 
activate my subscriptions because I want to track my progress when it comes to my uh, my record breaking feet. I'm going to be po I would post, you know, videos there a couple times a week just to show what I'm doing at the gym. Um, and then on top of other stuff like um, from uh, the show and other behind the scenes content. So I need subscriptions. Okay. Otherwise I have to go to Substack where I do have video on Substack, but I don't really want I, I want it to be more centrally located in, in Twitter. So do that. Now, um, what'd you say? So what event have I enjoyed the most? It wasn't just one event, honestly. Um, last year's Freedom Fest was pretty cool. Um, but it wasn't just one event. It was actually the course of a full week. And this was back in February. I, so if you remember back in February, I flew out, I did Timcast on Thursday. My friend came and picked me up, um, who lives in DC, my friend, Laura. And if you don't know Laura, uh, Laura Mays, uh, she is, um, another trans person that works in the military, um, works, uh, she works in, in the military and she came pick me up. We, um, we hung out for most of the weekend. I did um, Kibbe on Liberty, so uh, Matt Kibbe's show on the Blaze. Filmed that. Got to meet the uh, the people from the the log cabin headquarters up there in D.C. And then we did the uh, the anti-war rally that Sunday was absolutely phenomenal. So it was the Rage Against the War Machine with the Libertarian Party. That's where I met Tulsi Gabbard. That's where I took I. The one picture I say I don't take pictures, but that's where I took the picture with me and Ron Paul. I mean, you have to get a picture with Ron Paul when you when you get the opportunity. Um, and so I, I got that picture with Ron Paul, met Tulsi Gabbard, met a bunch of people uh, there as well. And oh, Rita, you're in the chat too. Yes, Laura's awesome. I um, but yeah, so you have to. That was honestly like tops when it came to like the events that i've done just that full week it was like it it, it lived up to or exceeded my expectations that's that's what i'll say it was a it was a great week even though we got shot at while we were in dc but you know that's that's a <laughs> yeah we went out to a a, a, a restaurant to get food and um yeah i posted my speech from that weekend um but we went out we we got food and um somebody squeezed off around while we were in uh in dc so i got the full experience <laughs> but again I want to thank everybody for kind of sticking sticking around, um, especially through um, the technical difficulties that we had earlier. Um, and I want to make sure um, go follow me across all social media platforms and I will see you next time.